Hey, welcome to a new episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP number 116. I'm your host, Dorian, and on today's podcast, we try on hats with President Kennedy and the Washington Nationals and special guest Johnny Bolin, co-host of the Earned Fun Average podcast, talks about food, the Miami Marlins, minor league baseball across the South, and wrestling. But I'm going to talk to you first about what I have in my hand, and it's a good local American beer from a good American local brewery. It's called the Manhattan Project. It's a cherry almond sour beer from Red Beer Brewing Company in Washington, D.C. There once was a man who lived in Washington, D.C. by the name of John F. Kedney. He was president in the early 60s. He said a lot of things, but one thing that always stuck in my head was he said that Washington, D.C. is, quote, a city of southern efficiency and northern charm, end quote. And basically, basically he used that as a backhanded compliment. He didn't mean it in a good way. But wait for me because I might have a drink. You know what President Kenny was, was uh, running for president when he became president? There was a lot of older men who were scandalized by him because he wouldn't wear a top hat. In the first half of the 20th century, a gentleman always wore a hat outside. You're not there with your hat, with your hair uncovered. But anyways, apparently people got over it because now, when's the last time you, you saw a, a president, a prime minister, a dictator wearing hats all the time? It doesn't happen. We're in a different world now. President Kenny was a big outdoorsman, loved sports, and he also threw out the first pitch from the stands, not from the mound, but from the stands for the Washington Senators. It was an expansion team back in, what was it, 1962. And what I like is that Kennedy's grandfather, John F. Fitzgerald, he was a member, he was like a leader of this fan club called the Royal Rooters in Boston. Because back then, when John F. Kennedy's grandfather was alive, they had... Two teams in Boston, the Boston Red Sox, who are still the Boston Red Sox, and the Boston Braves. The Braves left Boston to go to Milwaukee, and then the Braves left Milwaukee to go to Atlanta. And now today, it's the Atlanta Braves. But originally, the Braves are from Boston. They were the rivals with the Boston Red Sox. And in that time, what, I don't know, 100 years ago, Bostonians, I guess, rooted for both the teams, the Royal Rooters. And like I said, President Kennedy threw out the first pitch for the expansion Washington Senators. As you can imagine, an expansion team back in 1962 was pretty bad. The Senators ultimately became the Texas Rangers in 1972. But the current team in Washington, the Washington Nationals, used to be the Montreal Expos. Their last place in the National League East Division. They're trailing the division leaders, the Atlanta Braves, formerly of... Boston by nine games and it's what it's basically Memorial Day weekend it's the end of May and the, the Nationals are already nine games out of first place have you seen any Nationals games this year yeah me neither but let me tell you it's not a surprise that they're in last place but they're not as bad as you think yes the Nationals have a National League low 22 wins but the Nationals have a negative 22 run differential the Miami Marlins, the Philadelphia Phillies, the Cincinnati Reds, and the Colorado Rockies all have worse run differentials. What that's telling me and maybe what it should be telling you is that the Nationals have been more competitive than expected. And over in the American League, they are 1, 2, 3, 4, 
five teams with a worse run differential than the Washington Nationals. So in the grand scheme of things, this is a serious rebuilding year for the Washington Nationals, but they're not as bad as you think. And so if you find yourself in the nation's capital for work, for vacation, or to, you're traveling there to see your favorite team play the Nationals, the game might be a little bit more competitive than what you, than what you think you're going to see, as opposed to just curb stomping the crappy Washington Nationals. But as all baseball fans, we're going to watch the game on TV. Sometimes you listen to it on radio, on an app, at home with speakers. And this week's episode is brought to you by our show sponsor, who's going to help you listen to every single game of your favorite team. Matthews, TV, and Stereo City. They got theirs, you get yours. Only at Matthews. Hundreds of audio video bargains. Each includes a $200 value bike a great new mountain bike, or the famous touring bike, a Mitsubishi 200-watt complete rack stereo with bike, just 588 a Sharp VHS with hi-fi stereo and bike, 498 a Fisher 19-inch remote stereo color TV with bike, only 488 a Clarion AM-FM cassette car stereo boosters, speakers, and bike 168 installation daily till midnight financing with your good credit matthews top of the hill dally city thanks to matthews tv and stereo city that's where i got my awesome v8 sharp vhs where i can tape all the braves all the rays game and then watch it the next day because you know i hate watching commercials i fast forward through all that nonsense and you're gonna let me have another drink before we go on with the show I'm telling you, I'm really enjoying these sour beers now because I used to not. But when they have a hint of, just a hint of taste, they taste much better than they're just to be pure sour. But earlier I said that there were older men in the late 50s and early 60s who were scandalized by Kennedy because he wouldn't wear hats outside. But our next guest loves hats and he wears them all the time. This week, our special guest is Johnny Bolin, who's the co-host of the Earned Fun Average podcast. Johnny, welcome to Hipster Baseball Podcast. Oh, it's great to be here tonight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start you off with this. If some fancy schmancy company like Louis Vuitton, Laurel Piana comes out with a specially designed Mississippi Braves hat, are you first in line to go get it? Absolutely not. <laughs> Why, but why not? You I, people may not know, but Johnny, you're you're a big connoisseur of minor league baseball teams' hats. Where did that yeah, come I'm, from? I'm a simple man, sir. I'm a simple, simple man. Um, just give me a dad hat. Throw me a little 47 brand. I'll go New Era 920. I like the fitted hats. The older I get, the balder I get. And for our married listeners, you'll appreciate this. My wife likes the, she calls them floppy hats. You know, hats are the most worthless collection. You know, you think about it. What can you do? Like I've told my daughter, after I pass away, there will not be an auction. Uh, yes, we've got uh, item number 12 here. It's a 2006 New Orleans Zephyrs hat. I'll start the bidding at five cents. Like, what do you do with used hats? It's only value. Is to the owner. Well, you know, it's weird because I'm old. Like when I was in high school, which was late 80s, 
that's when the hat thing really kind of started. The game, you know, remember the game brand, the bar design, circle design. It's like hats became a thing. So I'm of that generation when I was a teenager, when really the hat collecting, when you saw more hats and hat stores came to be. And it really started, like I said, with the game brand and then it just took off from there. You know, when I was a kid, if you were wearing a hat, you'd either play the sport, coach the team, or you've been cutting your yard. Like men just didn't wear them. But then, like I said, mid, late 80s, boom, it just took off and here we go. But the, uh, this it's a great hobby. It's a fun hobby. Uh, in my mind, our rationale, I can wear, wear them more than I would like a T-shirt. Hats to me are your entry-level minor league purchase. I have my own scale of minor league purchasing. Hats and T-shirts are your entry-level. You're really serious about a team if you go hoodie or branded golf shirt. When you get into that over $50 item, pullover, jacket, purchase you're serious about that team or you just like to collect clothes but you know anybody most people can buy a hat i do want to point out people can't see this but you're saying that you you're a very simple man when it comes to that you have a fancy hat right now it's all <laughs> black it has like these aqua and orange fish and it has like a like a mustache i don't know what what is that because that is not the hat of an unfancy man of well, a this, uh... cultured gentleman such as johnny Boland. Culture, uh, very yeah, culture like buttermilk. Um, this is the uh, 2021 Father's Day purchase from my wife, known affectionately as the CEO of Bowling Enterprises. Uh, this is the one of the on-field fitted hats for the Danville Otterbots. And I, a lot of my hats. Danville I mean, in, I don't mean to cut you off, but Danville in Virginia? In Danville, Virginia. The yeah, oh, that used to be the old Danville Braves. Right. Right. Okay. Right. You know, they they all lost their affiliation in 2020. Every one of them had to rebrand. Now it's a college woodbat league. They're the Danville Autobots. And I'm the official ambassador for the great state of Mississippi for the Danville Autobots. They started the ambassador program two years ago when it was still Danville baseball before they even uh, let, let the name out, before the branding came out, merchandise came out. And uh, like I said, I, this is one of the fancier hats. I went fancy smancy. I was telling my wife, I said, this podcast got hipster in the title. I said, I'm not a hipster. I'm not old it's enough to break a hip. I'm really sort of in between break a hip and hipster. So I said, I got to look cool. I mean, I, I, so I brought this one out of the arsenal. I've nicknamed this hat Hall and Oats. So that's that? the I love Hall and Oates, by the way. Well, why you call it Hall and Oates? Uh, well, it, it's uh, my parody of private eyes. I call it Otterbot eyes. So this is the Hall and Oates hat right here that I'm uh, uh, wearing tonight with the uh, otter face. Yeah, it's the little very... nose eyes. Really, yeah, it's it's a cool design. Now I wish they had this in a dad hat, uh, but this this is the only version of this hat is the the player's fitted hat, solid black hat. I find it interesting you're saying that T-shirts and hats are the entry level into minor league baseball fandom. And I, over post-COVID, I've been going to, even no, even before COVID, excuse me, I've been, I have been going to minor league games, usually in Florida, South Carolina, and in the Mid-Atlantic region. 
and I almost always go and buy a hat. The only right. minor league team that I haven't bought a hat, like, you know, in the seventh, eighth inning of a game, because I haven't been able to to allow myself to do it, is the Clearwater Threshers, because they're a Philadelphia Phillies <laughs> IA team, and I'm a Braves fan, so I'm like, I can't get the Clearwater Thresher, but I mostly have everyone. And my favorite one is, just like your hat is black, my favorite one is the Pelican, the, the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. It's all black. Oh. And then it has like a a, a, a menacing looking pelican, which I don't think pelicans are that menacing. But anyways, you are, you love minor league baseball. Why is it that you love minor league baseball more than potentially the the the, the not the pros because you're a pro as a minor league level, but the major leagues? Well, to me, if I can wax poetic, you know, being the culture gentleman that I am, several reasons. One, you really think about minor league baseball, it's it embodies chasing dreams because, you know, when you go to a minor league game and you look at the guys on the field, maybe one, maybe two, make it to major league baseball. And what those guys go through, the commitment, the hard work, the travel, the lack of money that they receive, the pressure that they go through. Man, it's, and, and to me, that goes into beyond the players on the field. It's the front office staff of minor league teams. It's the radio announcers for these teams. It's the coaches for these teams. It's everybody involved in minor league baseball is chasing that dream to me. And it's just beautiful to me that they're pursuing something. Like I said, most won't make it. You know, most – most will not make the highest rung of that ladder, of course, in Major League Baseball. Another reason I love it so much, the fun, quirky. I love the weird nicknames, the logos. I mean, you're talking to a guy wearing an Autobots t-shirt and hat tonight. <laughs> like we're talking about the Autobots. It's just fun. You know, it's just the goofier, the better. I loved, and, I, and I've talked about this all the time on our podcast, and I dedicated part of my, my my room here to the memory of the New Orleans baby cakes. Love that. Oh, my gosh. Give me seconds and thirds of the New Orleans. I loved it. Were they, it, they used oh, to be in the, the Marlins? Or like, yeah, the Marlins AAA team. And then they moved. Well, they moved to Wichita. If 2020 had happened, they would have been the AAA team for the Marlins in Wichita. Then the reshuffling happened, and of course the Double A affiliate of the Twins now, and Jacksonville, Florida is now the Triple A affiliate for the Marlins. So yeah, they, I love the quirkiness. It's family fun. It, it's affordable. You know, you can you can take your family. We, there's three of us, and you know you can you, you can take your family and have a great time, and not feel bad about the money you've spent, and know you're supporting. A lot of cases, these minor league teams are locally owned. It's kind of supporting. I'm a big fan of supporting local businesses. Minor league you know, teams are, the, are, are local businesses, especially like the independent league teams. If you get out of the affiliation world of minor league baseball, Hollywood bat leagues, you know, you're supporting a local business person. And so I love that. But, uh, yeah, just the fun. And plus, you know, where I grew up, the closest team we had, you know, was the Atlanta Braves, which is two and a half hours away. But I could go to a Barons game and be there in 30 minutes or 15, depending where, you know. 
you know, less than an hour, I could see depending on the police traps. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Between like that's true. It, it was available in there. And so, you know, I grew up with, with the Barons, except you, you know, Atlanta was two and a half hours and that was it. You know, of course that's still Atlanta's market is the whole state of Alabama and really the whole state of the great state of Mississippi, especially as you mentioned, the Mississippi Braves here, uh, in state. Um, I did get booed there one time in Pearl, Mississippi. Why in the world would they do that? We were watching the Barons, and it was fireworks night. And I had on, I mean, I, I'm not, I, I'm an old man. I'm not talking smack, but I was just, we were watching the Barons. Well, the Barons won. All I did was stand up and clap. And then the boo birds came out. Needless to say, we didn't stay for the fireworks show. <laughs> to quote that great philosopher, Kenny Rogers, you got no one to hold them, no one to fold them, no one to walk away. And know when to run. <laughs> it was time to walk away. <laughs> they just re-aimed the fireworks from up in the air to your car. Right. <laughs> Get the heck out of there. I agree so, with you. Uh, yeah. So it, it was, yeah, I have been booed in Pearl, Mississippi. But I will say for Braves fans, that's a really nice setup. If you love the Braves, As you I need do. to go to Pearl. Oh, I, I, that's on my to-do list. I, that's something I, I think I'm going to try to do this year to go see them in, is it Pearl or Jackson? But I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's Pearl, right around yeah, Pearl. Pearl. Yeah. Pearl is a suburb of Jackson. Okay. Yeah. So, and uh, it's a really, it's a really nice setup. It, does it have all the bells and whistles of a lot of parks? No. But do you have free parking? Yes. Are there, any pl- are there plenty of places to eat and shop like Bass Pro is, across the street from it. There's a sh- uh, outlet mall across the street from it. All kind of different restaurants right there. Uh, it's all there. It's a good experience. Their team store, of course, they, they sell Atlanta and Mississippi Braves gear. For Braves fans, I would say you need you need to check out Pearl. Plenty of hotels you know, in the vicinity. Uh, you can have a decent place to sleep, decent place, decent something to eat, and a good experience if you go to Pearl. Now, I'm not on their payroll, okay? I'm three and a half. Like, There's well, nothing wrong with for- trying, with doing a little fishing to make another passive <laughs> form of income because you already are an inner, inner, interstate ambassador of another baseball club in Virginia, which used to be with the Atlanta Braves. So right. keeping the Braves ecosystem, it wouldn't be such a bad gig to have. Well, listen, you know um, – Whatever I can do for the fine folks in Pearl, Mississippi. I'm not on the Chamber of Commerce. Like I said, I'm three and a half hours. I'm at the other end of, of the great state of Mississippi uh, from, from Pearl. But I spent a lot of time there. That used to be our closest minor league team, but that was still an hour and a half away. Uh, New Orleans was an hour and 45 minutes. Or Metairie, you know, where the baby cake slash Zephyrs used to play. So, uh, but yeah, technically Pearl... Straight interstate, right off. It's it's all there. So it's it's an easy trip for baseball fans. Yeah, I, I'm I, I'm I'm really going to try to get down there this year to go see uh, a couple of Mississippi Braves games. But Johnny, you have what well, a lot of us who don't who aren't from the South or don't live in the South have a very classical Southern accent, a Southern gentleman's <laughs> accent. I almost feel that we're like on this wonderful museum tour. You're our host. 
or you have a great steakhouse and you're coming out from the back as the <laughs> chef and explaining to us the type of grass that you feed the cows and how they're bred and all this stuff. It's just very, very wonderful voice how you describe. As I had said at the top of the uh, top of this conversation, you're a co-host of a podcast. Have you always used your voice as a form of making a living, entertaining? Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, my dream in high school was going to radio. Now, I, I was thinner. I had hair back then, clean shaven. I looked very respectful. Uh, I had so much hair in my senior photo that my cap looked like a yarmulke, like it was barely bare purple yarmulke with a flat, you know, board on top. And all that hair has just gone down around your mouth. You got right, right. Big it, mustache, big goatee. Fu yeah, my, my, my hair had a wave. It waved goodbye years ago. So he just see ya. But, uh, and so I, I went to UAB and started, of course, you know, like everybody, your first year's core classes. And then I took a class called Intro to Communication Study, beginning of my sophomore year, fall of 1990. Ooh, boy, anyway, long time ago. And it was about print media, public relations, communications, everything under the umbrella of communications. First class, first class. Professor gets up there and says, 90% of you will not get a job in any of these fields. 90%. Gotta love the honesty, though. Yeah. I mean, did it weed me out? Absolutely. I mean, so I had hair. I was younger. And this is really before sports radio came to Birmingham. Like, everybody on the radio then was very professional sounding. And you didn't really, even on the big, you know, country station in Birmingham, WCCK, they didn't sound overly Southern. You know, very professional. Like I said, very professional. It was, hey, we got the latest one now from Conway Twitty here on WCCK. You know, so you had the very, so nobody sounded like me on TV. Nobody sounded like me on the radio. That would change with sports talk and more talk radio when it came, came to Birmingham. And so, you know, I, I'm a failed communications major that switched to history, which, of course, in turn, after college, I sold insurance. So use that degree. Uh, awesome. And so <laughs> uh, I actually for the last, oh, gosh, 20 September, 26 years, I have been in ministry. I'm actually a United Methodist minister. So I preach three times every Sunday. I have three different churches. Uh, we've been here for three years. It's a total in church work, 26 years. That may explain some of the baldness and, and the old age. But uh, so, yeah, I, I um, teach a class on Wednesday night, teach class on Thursday night. I used to do for fun uh, my daughter's high school. She finished four years ago. I used to be the PA announcer for their football. And those were some long nights because Notre Dame, it ain't, <laughs> it was not, it was not it, tough, you know, great kids. There was a church nearby named Notre Dame, but that was about it. Right. Yeah. Man, yeah it was. And I mean, I did Pee Wee, started with Pee Wee football and then middle school and then high school. And so some night, you know, some weeks I was there three nights. 
And um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I, you know, we moved uh, June of 2020. The coach called me that summer. Hey, can you do football this year? Um, coach, we moved. I mean, <laughs> killing me. Like, you know, he'd gotten the word, hey, they're, they're four hours up, the, you know, the other part of the state now. But, yeah, I loved announcing uh, football. Even though, like some of those games, you were losing by 40 and 50. Oof. It wasn't like last second you know, come from behind, win by the other team. No, it was blowout. But see, it's, it's during those type of games that you have to dig deep on interesting stories, on maybe dipping into scripture to say, you know, that <laughs> I, I, there was a there was a time that we're gonna, you know, to, to try to inspire people. So it's, it, I think it, I think when there is no action to call, it it makes your job more more open. To putting your touch on the actual broadcast because there's nothing to describe. It's like, oh, they just ripped off another 25 yard run. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, and I tell you what was the biggest challenge because I was also the DJ, which means I was playing music off my phone. I thought you were gonna say like the uh, 80s greatest hits, which uh, I'm a big fan of the, 80s. So it'd been the l- best. listen, I, I wore out Rocky music. Give me some Rocky soundtrack. Because, you know, you think about it over a public address system at a public school, you got to be real careful. You know, what what do you blast out over that PA? You know, now there was a CD player there, and I don't know where my CDs are. I, you know, if I had, you know, I used to have a Best of Rocky. Back in my workout days, I would carry my Rocky Best of. This was before Rocky Five, also known as the good movies before Rocky Five. And it had all the hits, you know, and, and I wish I'd had that CD. But um, one of the Saturday Pee Wee games, you know, because you play late summer, you know, with all of it. And it's blazing hot Saturday morning. I was playing Christmas music over the PA, Christmas vacation, you know, playing, you know, the cool. And people, I can see people looking up there like, what is that idiot up there doing? You know? Playing the Christmas vacation theme song on a 95 degree morning on a Saturday, you know, it was, you know, blazing hot, but yeah, I, so I, you know, I've, I've done fun stuff. We've the, the podcast, we've been doing it in March of last year. So we've got about 60 episodes out, comes out every Wednesday and we have a lot of fun. I mean, we don't take ourselves very seriously. You know, fun's the middle of the of the name of the podcast, you know. And we just try to keep it light. We wanted to have something that was just fun and lighthearted and you could play anywhere. Like if you're eight or eighty-eight, you can listen to the podcast mm-hmm. and, and not have to worry about content and just keep it like I said, just lighthearted and fun. You're preaching to the and, choir. And and you're you know, you're <laughs> you know, you like with your your podcast, you know, you're you meet so many great people through the process. And, and you know, I, I sit back and think, I've met somebody that that works in Brooklyn, or I've met you know through Zoom and through that podcast. Literally all over the country, you meet people, and it's just it's just a lot of fun. You know, I, I what the long term is, you know, how long many years we do this, I I don't know. I, uh, we just we just have a good time and and uh, just it's just enjoy. What's a great hobby? 
I'm like, sure. It's, it's a, it's a fun hobby. I think that you could easily go back to that professor and say, I'm one of the 10% that got a job in radio. <laughs> That's what podcasting is. Podcast is just radio at on demand. And not only that, in your daytime and also your nighttime job because of the uh, the classes you teach, a sermon, when you're going, at least in the Christian faith, the priest's only time to shine is during the sermon. Is he going to deliver a good sermon? Because if the priest doesn't give a good sermon, a good story, like, what, why don't we get the old, why did the old guy have to get rotated out? Because <laughs> that, think about that. It's like, how many times it's like, oh man, this guy's just, there's, there's nothing coming. There's nothing coming from this. So you're doing it both in the daytime and nighttime for fun. And it all, I'm finding it incredibly interesting nowadays, especially with podcasts is everyone's recording. I mean, this is a, just, this is just a audio only, but a lot of other people have the throw their podcast on YouTube. Howard Stern was doing this 30 years ago. Who knew right. he was actually the first podcaster, even though I don't know if he's still doing his show on on uh, on series radio or X, whatever the heck he's doing. Yeah, you're right. You know, it just has exploded. And, and really, our podcast kind of started as a joke. I mean, like, hey, you want to do a podcast? You know, Eric Prophet, who I uh, do the podcast with, he does all the tech stuff. Like he, he's does the editing and stuff that I'm sure that, you know, you're doing every week with your podcast. He does the editing, you know, and he gets it sounding a lot better probably than it did originally. I always joke with him. We'll have to do a book one day. What was left on the cutting room floor of the earned fun average podcast. You know? and, and I don't even know which episodes are coming out, you know, until they really come out, unless I ask him. Uh, I know what tomorrow's episode is going to be, uh, but we we've got we've been blessed to have so many you know so many weeks we've been recording you know once a week, and it's neat we do it on Monday nights most of the time because there's no minor league baseball, and he's a season ticket holder for the wind surge, so he's in a lot of baseball games. In fact, totally last year he did a hundred games, which is mind boggling. It is. And him and his family travel, him and his brother travel. They've got a trip for the end of this month over Memorial Day weekend. And so he 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 travels. So Monday is kind of that sweet spot, especially if you get to talk to somebody that's in the field, which I appreciate somebody on their off night talking about what they do the other six days a week. <laughs> you know, but uh, it's a fun experience. Like I said, you met some, we get, met some really cool, interesting people and, and you know good diversity uh, i love having writers on people that write about baseball and, and you know because by nature they're very creative right and 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 they're great guests because they'll talk and they they can express and talk about and i think we've had like five different writers on and um i, I could just sit and listen to them for hours I changed, like I said, for my college story, I changed the history with a minor in English. So I'm a book nerd, along with being a baseball nerd, history nerd. So, you know, writers fascinate me that they, you know, have written these books and and, and different types of books. And so that, that's been fun. But yeah, it's, it's been a, it's, it's a neat experience every week. Yeah. But as you and your co-host, Eric, you both of you are creatives as well, because you're creating 
something that's fun, slightly silly, because if you're not having fun, you're not being a little silly, you're, you're not probably doing what you want to do. But you're saying that your co-host, Eric, does a lot of traveling. I'm going to have you do some imaginary traveling to go from, as you say, the great state of Mississippi to pull you <laughs> away from the New Orleans, the 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 dream of the of revitalizing New Orleans baby cakes. And I'm going to make you the czar of minor league baseball. What's yeah. one or two things that you would like to see change or, or anything you would want to do with your unlimited powers as the czar of minor league baseball? What's one or two things you would do? Is the czar or the grand potentate of uh, minor league baseball first? Everybody would get raises. Everybody in minor league baseball, from the folks that take up your tickets or scan your tickets now, to the folks in the concession stands that clean up the ballpark, who make sure that field looks beautiful, to the players, the merchandise folks everybody would get more money because, uh, you know, minor league people that work in minor league baseball, in my experience, are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. I can remember the lady's name who used to be the merchandise manager for the Zephyrs in the early 2000s. Why? Because she was always so nice to me. Like I would call and say, you know, and I didn't say, hey, new hats in. Her name was Patty Fielder. That was her name. You know, and so, you know, those folks work extremely hard. I just finished the book, Welcome to the Circus of Baseball, Ryan McGee. And he talked about his internship in 94 with the Asheville Tours. Really funny book. Would highly recommend that. Um, great storyteller that he is. And he's right out of college, is this intern. And somehow, some of the times he was able to eat with leftovers from the concession stand as a $100-a-week intern. So is Czar, as the illustrious potentate of minor league baseball, across the board raises for everybody. Uh, would get I agree. Money, absolutely get more money. Second, and I know teams can't help this depending on location, and I'm cheap too. Free parking everywhere. Free parking. I know, like, in Memphis, that's a city of Memphis deal. And that's a glorious ballpark. Cool place. Love me some Redbirds. Cool, cool setup there. Parking's outrageous. I know it's not Atlanta high. You know, I, I've been to Atlanta. It's been a long time ago. I've been to Fulton County. It was my first major league game. I don't remember what the parking was then. Uh, and I know I've been, to, I was to Turner Field. Turner Field was in 1998, last Braves game I saw. They played the Brewers at Turner Field. And 98, I think it was like 20, 25 bucks to park. And that's Major League Baseball, Major City. But yeah, I would, I would try to get rid, I, you know, because the families don't need that extra 15, 20, 25, 30 bucks. Uh, my wife and I went to a Nashville Sound game April 15th of this year. And it was a city of Nashville parking lot. And, you know, it was like nearly 30 bucks to park for a minor league baseball game. She she was paying for the parking and the little, you know, little computer kiosk thing, you know. And I said, we're not watching the Yankees tonight. It's the Norfolk Tides. <laughs> <Nashville>. <laughs> I 
I just wish you could future Yankees, though. Well, at least one of them is to be a future Yankee. Yeah, yeah, you, you never know. Future Brewers, future uh, Orioles, you know. Uh, it was funny. We were getting to our seats, and there's some guys behind me like, uh, Norfolk, uh, who are they affiliated with? And I didn't want to be that guy and say Orioles. I just kept walking to my seat, you know. <laughs> like, I didn't want to be like, oh, I know more than you about minor league baseball. I just kept walking, you know. But uh, yeah, I would get I would get rid of parking fees. They take like to take that off families, couples, individuals. You know, they wouldn't have to spend that money to go to ball game. Some places don't have a parking fee, as we mentioned. Pearl uh, doesn't doesn't charge for parking. There's so much public parking by that ballpark. They really couldn't charge. You could park at the Sam Soso Club and just cross the street. You know, well, well a good a good thing that the good people at Sam's Wholesale don't listen to this podcast because if not, they'll start lo- looking out for people and giving them uh, tickets. <laughs> yeah, so that would be my two. If I had two powers, two wishes uh, as the czar of minor league baseball, th- that would be those two. I agree with you, and I think one of the ways that I know we're talking about minor league baseball, but major league baseball, the issue is where they have stadiums that aren't in the, at least in the vicinity of the downtown area, whether it's downtown Milwaukee, downtown LA, downtown Washington, DC, there is no public transport. In other places, there is no public transportation. You talk about uh, what's off the top of my head, the, the Tropicana, Tropicana field where the Tampa Bay Rays play in the beautiful little town called St. Pete, but it's impossible to get there without a car. Versus you go to shit, uh, not to say stadium, City Field in New York to see the Mets. You take the seven line out there, you, you're good. If you want to go to Nationals Park to see the Washington Nationals, they have a metro line a block from that. And even then, I think they charge like fifty dollars, and it's it's in it's outrageous. And it's something I've never thought of, but that's really good that you brought up the the parking. And of course, the NFL. You know, talking about all that, all the amazing high school football that you watched for all those years. <laughs> Uh, right. Two levels up. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> going to see an NFL game is just yeah. It's 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 sinful how much they are they're ripping money out of your your pocket. Yeah, it was funny you mentioned that. 2013, me and two friends of mine went to the only time I've been to Monday Night Football, Saints and Eagles. Now this was, like I said, 2013. Uh, Michael Vick was still playing. He's playing for the Eagles. By the way, why why did they ever get rid of those old uniforms? More people had those beautiful Kelly Green. I saw more Randall Cunningham jerseys that night in the Kelly Green. He was Michael Vick uh, version 1.0. That's what he was. Right. Yeah, Vick, Vick part whatever. You know, uh, so I brought $45 cash at my debit card. And I said to my friend, hey, I'll take care of the park. And he found a parking deck right there by the Superdome. And I then mean, the parking right. took care of you. Uh, 40 bucks. I had five bucks in my debit card. Uh, now, fortunately, we had eaten at this little sandwich place in New Orleans, you know, away from downtown, kind of the locals, you know. And so I wasn't hungry. And uh, we passed the Angel Gabriel on the way up to our seats. You know, we were up there. It was great experience, cool experience. Uh, so I was so far from a concession stand that five dollars, you know, stayed in my pocket. I think I went and bought a lemonade. Uh, but you know, so you know, but uh, and the team store was so busy, it was like you were on a factory line, like you couldn't even stop to look at anything at the store. 
And uh, so that was a good thing. So I came home excited about the win, uh, still full for my giant roast beef, poor boy. And, and, and that was really uh, a cool experience because to me, TV doesn't quite translate like live football. You know, the experience, the sound, the like when they fired up the Monday night theme song over the sound system in the Superdome. And just the noise level in that building was, and this was not a great, great Saints team. You know, this wasn't your Super Bowl team from 09, but it was, it was electric in there. Really, really, really cool experience. Um, it reminded me now, you know, we've said we've established how cultured I am. Years ago, uh, now you got to say this properly in the South, wrestling, not wrestling. The, wrestling. Old, w, the old WWF. <laughs> A friend of mine won tickets to Monday Night Raw was in Birmingham back in the 90s. And so he invited me to go, and, and, and so we went. And I tell you, when, when the Stone Cold Steve Austin music hit, I thought the roof was coming off the Birmingham Jefferson Civic Center. It was that kind of noise level. To see that, that those guys, you know, in their prime, when that was like the big thing, Monday Night Raw, you know, and I don't watch wrestling now. I, I, I grew up with it. But I, I haven't watched wrestling a lot. Ever, ever since that bad DDT accident, you're like, no, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> Insurance does not cover it. The, the good Lord may cover it, but not here on Earth. Right, right. Uh, I've never reached Ric Flair's wealth level of a limousine riding and styling and profiling and uh, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing. I've never reached that level in my life. So. You know, you're saying that how, how electric it felt during that football game within the New Orleans Saints and also with, uh, I guess they were still called WWF back then, but well, wrestling with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Did you get a chance to see or were you following any of the World Baseball Classic games back in March? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And you, and people can't see, but you have a plaque behind your chair that says, Mar I guess it's like parking for Marlins fans only. Right. The games in Miami were amazing. I was fortunate enough to go to two of the World Baseball Classic games, and the atmosphere was, no joke, like 10 times better than any baseball game that I've been to, Major League Baseball game I've been to. And, word to the wise, next spring, around March, they're going to have the, the the Caribbean series of just Latin teams, like oh, Cuba, wow. Panama, Venezuela, Nicaragua, I think Mexico might go. And it's going to be the championship of just the, of the you know, the 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 Latin teams in the, the Latin countries in the Caribbean, it's going to be held in Miami at Lone Depot Park. So I think you might want to get your debit card ready for that and <laughs> take the bus or take the Lyft or, tw or Twitter or tw uh, Uber to Lone Depot because it's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm excited. I am definitely going to at least one or two of those games in March for the Caribbean series. Yeah, it's kind of weird because I sound like I should be a Braves fan with my accent. But I love those break-your-heart Miami Marlins. My team for the longest time from the movie Major League, and it's Braves-related. I don't know if I've ever – I think I've told the story on one episode. That's been a while. 
in 91, you know, that was the first year. You may not have been born yet. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I, I was a young man, but I, rem- I definitely remember that. I'm from the TV so generation. Atlanta came alive, like out of nowhere. It, and so me and my friends, everybody's watching baseball. But I love underdogs. You know, I love this underdogs. And so everybody's on that brand. And I'm not a bandwagon guy. And so everybody all of a sudden is is Braves, 1991. And they're chasing the Dodgers. They're still in the NL West. That's how long ago that was. And it, it's just, a, you know, just the energy and people in the great state of Alabama are watching. Everybody's watching the Braves every night, WTBS. And I thought, well, you know, I love, you know, I've always loved baseball. Now, I was the worst little leaguer ever. Uh, the coaches would bring out mannequins from J.C. Penney to pick before me for little league teams. I was awful. Okay, decent softball player in the nineties. You know, slow pitch softball. Another story. But anyway, and I remember, man, I love that movie Major League. And I looked in the Birmingham News, and of course they're way dead last, late summer of ninety one. And I thought I'm gonna be a Cleveland Indians fan. And of course that's brought me more heartache. 95, 97. I tell you the one that hurt the most. I think it broke something inside of me. 2016 to the Cubs. It just, you talking about just cruelty. Like you're, you're so close. Been 1948. Since they won for that rain delay in what was that game six, game seven? Forget what you, yeah, it was. Game seven, rain I think without delay. that rain delay, the Indians win oh. that that series. I, I thought, man, it's going to ha- finally happen. And so, <laughs> you know, all these years, I, I my wife and I went to Cleveland in 2000 to see them play. I went to Atlanta in 96 for an exhibition game as spring training was ending. Uh, they hosted the Indians and – and so I've been to Atlanta to watch them play, like I said, in Cleveland, which was awesome. People thought I was from Texas when I would talk. Hey, you from Texas? No, I'm from Alabama. But anyway, Texas sounds better. Um, and, and so, you know, it was the Cleveland Indians since 91. Well, in 2018, the baby cakes, go back to my baby cakes. They had a Twitter contest, the magic of Twitter with the Scranton Wilkes Bear Rail Riders. And they both the contest was who had the better baby mascot. They have the baby bombers, which is a great logo. The top hat, Yankee top hat, needs a shave, Yankee pinstripe diaper, and then the baby cakes, you know, logo. And so you'd have to use hashtag team baby cakes, I think it was, when you would tweet. And so the baby cakes used to have some of the, again, talk about how nice minor league staffs are. Some of the nicest people, like remember your name. And I'm not there every week. We'd go to a couple games a year. And so I got a direct message on Twitter from the guy who's now the general manager of the wind surge, Wichita wind surge, Bob Millett. And he wanted me to call him. And I'm thinking, well, that's odd. I've met Bob in person, but so I pulled off the side of the road. I used to do hospice work, part-time hospice chaplain. So I've been on a hospice visit. 
So I called him. He said, Hey, Johnny, we had the con, you know, we got the results of the contest. We drew some names out of the hat. Uh, you've won the trip to Miami. Like, what? What? But what? And I'm out in the middle of parts unknown Mississippi. Getting back, we had car problems with my old car. My daughter was driving back then. And I foolishly said, like, I didn't jump on it like like I should have. Like, what? Now, this was all expenses paid trip. Yankees, Marlins. Because, you know, it was the two affiliates. Free tickets to the game. Free hotel. Free airfare. All we had to pay for was food and transportation when we got there. So I got home and my wife's fired up at the car like I was. I said, hold on. You know, Bob, you met Bob, you know, the guy at the team store with the baby catch. Yeah. He said, we will, I won the trip to Miami. And it was just pandemonium really for both of us. And so we, we flew out of new Orleans. It was August 18th was the day of the game. And I went down there and I still care about the guardians. Don't get me wrong. And my brother-in-law, who's a huge Atlanta Braves fan, said, you know, the Marlins bought you. And I went, and? We're in this beautiful hotel downtown, Biscayne Bay. They put us on like the seventh, eighth row from the field. I mean, I That's a really nice stadium. The team's not so good, but that is a nice stadium. I I do like Lone Depot. Wow. You know, I I was sitting there like, "Why, why are people not coming to this? I know the team is not that great. But you got Don – first you got Don Maddenly as your manager, which that's – you know, he came out of the dugout. Of course, as you can imagine, there was thousands of Yankees fans there. The folks we're sitting with are from the Scranton contest. Part, they want – so, I, you know, it was all these Yankee fans. Don Maddenly steps out, and there was this hush reverence. Don Maddenly, Donnie Baseball. And my wife said, who's Don Maddenly? And everybody said, I said, uh, 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 they get thrown uh, out. Yeah, uh, like uh, Yankee legend. Just, just trust <laughs> me on this one. Yeah, he's a legend with him. And it was just the coolest experience. Just how amazing it was. You're right. That's a beautiful ballpark. That was um, August 22nd. Yeah, all, all August 22nd of 2018. I call that my fan anniversary. So the Marlins bought me, and I'm fine with that. I love the teal. I, I, you know, I'm so glad to wear until on Fridays now at home. That old classic Charlie Huff oh, uniform. So great. Those, those are Juan Pierre, oh, Charles Johnson. Yeah, those are. I love those old uniforms from the 90s. I, I, I stay stuck in the 90s. My wife will tell me, you know, things have gotten more expensive since the 90s. You're know, like, my mindset still, like, you know, what stuff cost in the 90s, you know, and things like that. But uh, yeah, I, I that, that is my that is my major league team. You know, I um, I saw them in an exhibition game years ago against the Zephyrs, so I'd seen the Marlins, but an exhibition game, and so yeah, that's my last major league game was was that trip in 2018, because you know we're not close where we live at. Gosh, I would say either Atlanta or even St. Louis. St. Louis may be six hours away. Atlanta would be, well, Atlanta might be five. I mean, in Europe, six hours, you'd be five countries away. Right. Yeah, there's no, and and I don't, 
I don't have a minor league team. You know, Memphis is the closest one. It's two hours away. Nashville's three, Birmingham's two and a half. Well, we'll see what we can do with the Mississippi Braves. I'll try to pull some strings over there that I don't have <laughs> to, uh, you know, buy you out so we can make you an ambassador of the Braves as well. Well, you know, they uh, they may not want me, but I, I, I know you've got the pull. You've got connections there in the uh, Braves organization. Oh, so yeah, yeah. If I get an email, you know, from somebody, now if they, you know, if they want to send a limo to pick me up – for that three and a half hour drive <laughs> to, to to Pearl, Mississippi, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll gladly go. In fact, there was a guy here yesterday. My wife works at the the community college here, here in town. He's going to be one of the Braves mascots for the Mississippi Braves. He's going to be Diddley, named after the legendary Bo Diddley. The so guitarist, he, yeah, the guitarist. Yeah, he's from Macomb, Mississippi. And so they have a new blue mascot. I think it came out last year named Diddley. And uh, he's going to be Diddley this summer. So uh, he's going to lose about 10 pounds in that in that costume because I can't imagine. I, I don't think they have I don't think they're using like NASA type technology in those minor <laughs> league baseball mascots. He's uh, to be a changed man by the end of that southern Mississippi yeah. summer. Um, I It's funny you mentioned that. I asked him about that yesterday. I said, in that suit, hot, because he was the college mascot, and then I think he worked for the Braves last summer, and he said, "Oh man, that suit's brutal." I you thought we have to be giving last rights, you know. Yeah, he he definitely needs to raise for whatever the Mississippi Braves are uh, are, are giving him to be diddly, but uh, yeah, he's going to be diddly the mascot. Uh, uh, for the for your Mississippi Braves, for my Mississippi Braves, I, I did like the earlier when you were saying when you found out that you won the contest contest of the the best baby mascot that you were in Hearts Unknown. I liked how you <laughs> slipped in that old WWF reference. Yeah, because I don't know if you remember Hearts if you of- if you collected old WWF the wrestlers cards in the back, it would say where they're from, and a bunch of them would say. Parts unknown. I specifically remember the Ultimate Warriors' place of origin being parts unknown. Yeah, if you look on my Twitter page, you know where you list where you live. Mine says parts unknown, so that's where I, I officially uh, officially live. Yeah, I've always loved that term from wrestling. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I still like I use it on Twitter. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you got a big fan right here. But- <laughs> And I'm also a fan of food. And so if any of us are ever in the Mississippi, Alabama area, when we will go on to watch a Birmingham Barons game, a Mississippi Braves game, or maybe even go to Memphis, in the area that you enjoy living in or working in, what's one or two places that we can stop by to have a good cup of coffee, some uh, maybe a drink, maybe some food, when we're in the South going into a minor league baseball game? Well, not minor league. I'll start with the local place. I live about 30 minutes from Tupelo. Of course, you know, Tupelo is their main claim to fame is the birthplace of Elvis. And Tupelo is a really neat town. I, we, we, so we've been here through almost three years and just fallen in love with Tupelo. Uh, we ate, in fact, we ate this place for a Mother's Day brunch Saturday. It's called Ethel Mays. And a little local business. And uh, it is amazing food. 
and really cool vibe in there. I'm not hip enough or cool enough really to eat in there. Like Saturday, they had a DJ. And so my daughter went up to the DJ and this is going to show my age requested for my behalf, some heavy D and the boys. Now that's some classic eighties hip hop. Uh, now that we found love, I thought that's a great, maybe not a mother's day song, but some, uh, heavy D and the boys that I used to listen to as a teenager. Ethel Mays is outstanding food. Really, really nice, nice folks. And, and it's, it's, it's fairly new. It's about a year and something old. So if you're, in this part of the great state of Mississippi, in Tupelo, several good places to eat. I would go Ethel Mays. Uh, Birmingham, wow. If you like a classic southern meat in three. For wait, a, wait, 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 wait. What in the world is a classic southern meat and three? Southern like three, like the number three. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a meat slash protein and three sides. Okay. Meat and three. So I, I, I'm there again, old man. In fact, my wife and I ate there on May 2nd. We went back to uh, Rickwood Field in Birmingham. It's the oldest baseball field, I'm sure you're familiar with, in the, in the, in the country, built 1910. They had a college classic game, they called it, between the rich kids from Birmingham Southern and the mighty Blazers of UAB. Uh, and so... <laughs> And we ate, it's called Nikki's on Nikki's on Finley or Nikki's West. And it's classic meat and vegetables. Old, if you want the old school Birmingham lunch experience, because this, ta- this place dates back to the 50s. But not the segregated type of lunch experience, though, right? No, like, no. Like, like post-1967, like hopefully. Right, right. right. I'm joking. Same family has owned, you know, has owned this restaurant for years and years and years. A a great meal. Nikki's West in Birmingham. Of course, you know, Birmingham, it, it, it doesn't get the Memphis, Kansas City, maybe Texas love for barbecue. But barbecue is the main thing in the great state of Alabama. And there's some great around Birmingham. I love, I'm like, yeah, I love barbecue. And there's some fairly new ones that have kind of come into the Birmingham market. Rodney Scott, which I think he's out of the Carolinas. I've seen him on like the Food Network. He's got a couple restaurants, his restaurants in Birmingham. There's a local place called Saul's, S-A-W. Really, really good barbecue. If you want to leave Birmingham, go about 20 minutes west. A place I grew up in called Bob Sykes has been around for a long time. In fact, my dad, who just turned 80, used to work at Bob Sykes as a kid, teenager. That's how long Bob Sykes, that family has owned, you know, family owned place. Memphis, and I know it's touristy and I know it's high, but I don't hate rendezvous. You know, rendezvous is one of the legendary places. It's right by the ballpark. Great ribs. I, I know there's people that love it like me and some people, well, it's overpriced and you don't get a lot for your money, blah, blah, blah. I like me some rendezvous ribs. You know, I I like to say it's in an old building. It's just, again, I'm using this word over classic. You tell I love the old school classic places. They've been doing it well for decades. And uh, so I love rendezvous. Like I said, they serve rendezvous food at the ballpark so you don't even have to go the that's the first place i ever had barbecue nachos like wow that changes your life 
so I've good. I've never heard of that. I, that. I think I might have to take a flight to Memphis just for that. Jeez, I'd never heard of that. Never. Oh, barbecue. Oh, listen. Yeah, of course, chips, the cheese, pulled pork with barbecue sauce all over. As I say, it'll make your liver quiver and your spine recline. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, that's the first place years ago I tried barbecue nachos. We're going to make you the chief operating officer of uh, what's this place called again in Memphis? Uh, rendezvous. Yes. Rendezvous, yeah. the, the new chief marketing officer. But you will be the new <laughs> incoming chief marketing officer. Yeah, it's, it's as you know, Memphis has several great places. I've yeah. never tried, you know, of course, tried them all, you know, that they're known for. But for me, as a simple, humble man, I would go rendezvous in, in Memphis um, for, for your barbecue consumption. Like I said, they sell their products at the, at the stadium as well. Those are all amazing places. How you describe them, I definitely. I'm now. I'm even more excited about going to Mississippi to see uh, a couple of the uh, Mississippi Braves games. But Johnny, I want to thank you for joining us. I've really, really enjoyed our conversation. Let us know where we can hear more about your work, your social media, anything you want to promote, so we can continue to hear a classic Southern gentleman's voice <laughs> and proving your professor at University of Alabama Birmingham wrong. Thank you for that, sir. It has been a treat to be here uh, on your podcast. And again, appreciate the invite. Uh, for the podcast, it's uh, I'm not on Instagram. I'm more Teddy Graham than Instagram at this stage. Uh, but it's on Instagram, Earn Fun Average, uh, AVG. Uh, it's on Twitter. We're on Twitter, and he uh, runs it on Instagram. Eric does. Uh, each, uh, anywhere you can listen to podcasts it comes out, like I said, every Wednesday, uh, any of the, any of the forums you can get podcasts on, you can find the earn fund average podcast. Me personally, uh, I'm at Twitter at Johnny J O H N N Y M I L B fan, Johnny M I L B fan. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I didn't get on Facebook to like three years ago when we moved because here you are in this new community. And COVID's happening. You know, we're in the height, as you, everybody knows, three years ago. So I got on Facebook. My wife's been on it for years. And to meet people. And it's just simply to communicate with these new people that you're living in this community now, four hours and something away from where you had lived at for six years. And so just by my name, Johnny Bowen, B-O-W-L-I-N, J-O-H-N-N-Y, M-O-U-S-E, you know, it's, (laughs) so I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Um, I do one of the churches I'm at. If you need a good third, 20, 30 minute nap and want to, you know, those sermons are available. We, uh, church called Grace United Methodist, um, records for Facebook. And so every Sunday afternoon, I'll share the, you know, the mess, the service, what am I trying to say? The service gets shared. So you can find that on my Facebook page. So. I really am more shocked that I'm on social media as much as I am. If you'd say, if you had told me that years ago, I'd say, Psh. you know, but, um, that's it. Like I said, that's, that's where, you know, I, I can be found on social media and, and this has been a lot of fun. Hopefully, uh, people will not be listening to this while driving because I don't want anybody falling asleep behind the wheel with, my, <laughs> with this interview. <laughs> Thanks to Johnny Boland for joining us this week. I had a lot of fun in that conversation, and I was, and I still am, really hungry 
for some good southern barbecue. And I need to find a place that serves good, proper southern barbecue with some good southern hospitality. And in the spirit of all good things southern, I want to give a good, proper southern thankfulness to some new listeners. But first and foremost, all of our loyal listeners and a handful of new listeners from some place called Levittown. I don't know if it's in the state of New York. I don't know if it's in Pennsylvania, but thank you. Hampton, Virginia, Fountain Valley, California, Farmingdale, New York, and Corte Madera, California. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed the past few episodes. And you know what? Let's all get together next week for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye.